Have you ever heard someone say, do you have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Well, we are breaking this down today with Hillary Johnson of Hatch Tribe and so much more. But seriously, guys, don't be fooled by the title of today's episode, because even if you aren't an entrepreneur, Hillary is chock full of wisdom that all of us can benefit from. And if you haven't reviewed, subscribed, or rated our podcast on iTunes, then I would so appreciate it as it helps us reach a wider audience of women just like you. Now, on to the show. Hey, JD Tribe, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Care Spotlight brought to you by the Journal Deck, a 52-card deck where journal prompts meet oracle cards to bridge inspiration with action to help you live your best life full of self-care and living your truth, which is now available to shop at thejournaldeck.com. I am your host and founder, Alyssa Cousins, and today we have Hillary Johnson. Hillary is the founder of Hatch Tribe, an organization devoted to cultivating and connecting women entrepreneurs. A serial entrepreneur herself, Hillary coaches and mentors entrepreneurs in all stages of business. Her passion is helping clients translate their great ideas to actionable plans and results. She is the author of A Girl's Guide to Surviving the Startup with Your Mind, Body, and Soul Intact, and she is the host of the Art of Doing podcast. She says that she often works more than she should, but she loves it, kind of like me. She lives for traveling and exploring the world, whether it's out to scope murals in Detroit, devour baguettes across France, or to find the best mojito, my favorite, in Cuba. Her dad will tell you that she talks too loud. Her best friends will tell you that she always comes with the agenda. And she will tell you, I love this part, that she says fuck way too much, but she doesn't give a fuck anymore. Also like <laughs> me. <laughs> and with that, I welcome Hillary to the podcast. <laughs> you so much. It's funny to hear someone else read that. <laughs> Always is. I <laughs> uh, love it. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely one of my things. And I often am like, you know, should I stop like cursing so much? But then I'm like, well, I don't know. I've been doing it this many years. Maybe I just keep it up. Yeah. I, you know what? It's, I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think passionate people swear. I agree. Totally agree. It's just another word in the vocabulary, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> I don't know, it just, it, it really emphasizes things. <laughs> yeah, totally. And especially F-U-C-K, because, you know, it happens to be like, it could be a verb or a noun or an adjective. Like, it, it's used in so many different ways, in different contexts. So it's it's a multitasker of a word. Oh, I love your breakdown of the F word. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's an enlightened approach to it. Exactly. That's great. Okay, so... Guys, I'm really excited about this. This is a total, I think of this as a boss babes um, podcast. So the self-care spotlight is really this culmination of the woo-woo life, the business life, inspiration, all those things, because that's really me in a nutshell. I am really not, I'm not one thing. None of us are, but I, I truly feel like I walk this line between wanting to be like all the woo and then loving, you know, design and marketing and talking about getting shit done and making plans. And 
I feel like I walked that line and I think a lot of you who listen to this also do or you aspire to to, to have your own business but also still embrace you know the woo-woo life and all of those things and just blend it all together. So this is more of a boss babes episode which I'm excited about. Um, I've actually had, you know, I've been able to read Hillary's book, Surviving the Startup with Your Body, Your Mind, Body, and Soul Intact. And that's because I actually want it. No shit. I want it in a giveaway on Instagram. And so I got this from her business, Hatch Tribe, and I was able to read her book. So this is awesome because I'm going to pull from it. We're going to talk about it. So I'm super excited to have, thank you for doing this, Hillary. I'm pumped to have another like total entrepreneur on the podcast. I love it. I think it's so fun too, because I, I will tell you like having, having written a book that was such a big goal for me to begin with, it, it never stops being exciting when someone has bought a copy or has received a copy and then they've read it and then they tell me. So it's like, to me, it just, it makes my heart sing knowing that like anyone has read it. So it, it that just never gets old. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I'm like that with my deck, like just seeing people's photos with the deck. Yeah. Or a, a woman was wearing the the, um, the matching JD Mala that we had um, collaborated with Mala Bella Jewels, and she was wearing it yesterday, and I saw her in um, a yoga class. And awesome. I was like, oh, you're wearing the Mala. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun, and it's so rewarding. Yeah, it really is. It really, really is. All right, I want to jump right in to a bit of your story, and I want to read a little bit from your book. This feels so cool that I can read. I'm looking at your book, so this is awesome. I'm going to read right from it. This is right in the right in the intro part, so I'm going to go ahead and read. Cool? Cool. Yeah, go. Okay. So you write, so when I was a 24-year-old, I landed a sweet corporate gig working for Miller Brewing Company. My parents were elated. I had a great salary, a corporate car, paid benefits, and all the bells and whistles that came with working in the beer business. I had access to all the free beer I could drink, tickets to NFL games and rock concerts, and VIP access to every bar in Tampa. It was a dream job for a 20-something. During the eight years that followed, I was promoted five times until I finally landed as the sports marketing manager running the NASCAR sponsorships for Miller Lite and Coors Light. It was a big job. I was bringing in six figures, living in arguably one of the best cities in the world, and traveling across the country to sporting events where VIP access was an understatement. I'm not telling you this to brag. Quite the opposite. Everyone coveted my job, and I hated it. (laughs) So, (laughs) this is so much a part of your story. I mean, I can just, reading it and just... I get it, like, because this is like every entrepreneur's story, it seems like, in some way, right? That they had, they had one life and really realized, what the hell? Like, I don't want this. So can you, Mm -hmm. can you talk to us a little about that journey and why, why did you hate it so much? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, to the where this leads me is thinking about, you know, how how often this definition of success is sort of pre-stated for us as we grow up. And and I say that particularly, you know, if you're living in the United States or in a Western culture where, you know, 
it's coveted to have a good job with benefits, you know, and, and to be pursuing that path. And, you know, when I was in college, I, you know, studied business and I had a professor who one day said, you know, how many of you want to own your own business? And I remember this, like I, it's like, it's yesterday. Like I remember this part and I did not raise my hand. And then he said, you know, well, what about the rest of you? Cause a bunch of people had shot their hands up, you know, and it wasn't me. And he's like, well, what about the rest of you? And then I raised my hand and I said, well, I really want to like climb the ladder, break through the glass ceiling and then like change the culture of corporations from that level. Because what I was seeing even in school was like, we had created a, a culture here in the U S that's very work dependent. And so much of our identity is wrapped up in that. And there's, you know, a real lack of work-life balance for a lot of people who find themselves in corporate careers. And so I thought my way of entering is like, I'll work my way up, I'll break the ceiling and I'll change it. I'll change it systematically. And I really believe that. Um, and so I got into a great company working for Miller Brewing and working my way up. And, you know, it's, it's intoxicating. I mean, to be very, and that pun not intended in this case, but, you know, you're, you're being driven by like the, the prospect of a new promotion, living in a new city, experiencing something new and like taking on new responsibilities. And for me, sometimes jobs that were just really intriguing. Um, but, you know, the, collectively I started to look at my life. I was moving every one or two years and, you know, this wound up being an eight year career and I had lived in five cities during that length of time. And, you know, I was then, um, in my early thirties and I thought, what the hell am I doing? You know, like how long am I going to keep giving my life to someone else? And like, is this my definition of success or is this someone else's? Mm. And, you know, I, I, and that was something that had come up over a long period of time. I mean, I just, I wasn't feeling particularly fulfilled in my life. You know, I was, I could use the word and say I was fulfilled in a career and that I was making good money and, and given progressive responsibility and all the things that tend to matter for a person in career. Um, but it was like, my life didn't feel whole. It felt like all of the eggs were in the career basket and the rest of it was really suffering. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I knew something had to give. I just didn't know what it would be or necessarily what that business would turn into. And that took time. I love that you, how you just said that I had all of my eggs in the career basket. <laughs> yeah. They were fully in. Yeah. And it's, that's so many people that are. For sure. That are completely, I guess what you'd say, like in the grind you know, mm -hmm. like that, that word of phrase that we toss around, like you're grinding it out. Um, that's so many people that are just, like you said, climbing the ladder and it's like on to the next thing, the next promotion, the next promotion. And I'm uh, always chasing like that next, that next thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I get I that. It's important. It's not like, it's not all inherently bad mm -hmm. either though. It's like, you know, most of our waking hours are spent at work. You know, so it's important that we have something there that fulfills us and that we're driven by and that, you know, because that's how we're spending at least one third of our daily life or, you know, right. So if that's happening, like the choice about how we're, we're showing up there and the time we're spending is important and it's, they're not all bad, you know, careers are not all bad. No, I think it's a mm -hmm. question of like, mm -hmm. how are you relating to it? Right. And 
is it lighting you up from the inside or is it feeling more like you have to drag yourself to get there? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I yes, yes. It's the career is, the, is like you said, it's a massive part of your life. Yeah. I guess the, the problem the you know, where in lies the problem is that so many people, they just keep, they just stay put. Like, unlike someone like you who was like, forget this shit. Like, I am miserable. I mean, I guess the problem is that most people, they they can't seem to, I guess, like, dig deep enough to find that courage to say, I don't want this. Like, I need to go find another job or I need to make my own job, literally like you did, where you completely went out and became an entrepreneur. And I think that, I guess that's just what I would say is the, really the problem is you see all these people that, you know, especially in the corporate world that are just grinding it out and they're really miserable. And it sounds like you at least had the awareness to say, I, I deserve something more. Yeah. And I think that like, at least as I look back at it now, I can see that this, this was not an aha moment. Like this was something that came up over a long period of time. Mm. You know, it was progressive, you know, so it's not like I woke up one day and was like, I got to get the hell out of here. It was like this had been coming up over over years, you know, years of kind of sitting with like, why am I keeping why do I keep choosing this? Why do I keep choosing to take a promotion and to move? You know, what is it that's compelling me to do that? And why do I like it? But conversely, what about it's not working? And, you know, I think I mean, even when I was in New Orleans and that was probably for four years before I left the company, I was already having that sense of like, this might not be where I want to be. Um, you know, and so it took time. And I think especially, you know, for people who, who do decide they want to launch a business, I mean, you have a whole other piece of uh, life that comes along with that, which is like then figuring out what you want to do and how mm-hmm. you're going to do that and taking that leap of faith, which is a whole other process. And like, that's often slow. Right. Um, so I actually... Kind of, that's part of what I wanted to ask you. As you said, it, it wasn't this aha moment. You know, some of us do have, like, the the aha. You said yours was mm-hmm. more progressive. Like, it just happened over slow about a time, this buildup. So, sure. was, you know, was that buildup? Um, you talk about fear in the book. Do you think that fear um, ultimately is what was holding you back in some way um, from having the courage to bust out and that's why it took like a couple of years for this kind of to like unfold until you eventually were like I'm gonna face fear and I'm gonna work through this and bust out um I don't know I wouldn't say that it was fear that was holding me back I think it was in a point of not knowing Mm. you know of like truly not really knowing what it meant like I could I could understand that I was not happy in my current career and understand that I was not happy in the life that I was living but I didn't know what that necessarily meant like and you know at the time I did look at other jobs I looked at applying to other things and I did and you know I thought well maybe it's that I don't want to live in the city I'm in and this might be more about geography and Mm -hmm. you know maybe I should move back towards the east coast or you know shift to and I looked at a series of different cities that I thought might be more well aligned with my personality. And I think, you know, it, I would say I just didn't know, 
you know, it wasn't, I, I think fear certainly is part of that. And it was playing in the background because it typically is. And, I, you know, even I find that working with clients now, it's like typically when we're coming up against like a growing edge or a point of change, usually fear is sitting somewhere below it. I mean, it's, it's kind of like your best friend that's just like always along for a ride. And so, you know, it certainly was there, but I wouldn't say it was the driving factor at that moment in time. It was just like a a sense of just not knowing. And, Mm um, you know, that's where like just the unfolding comes in. You know, it's, I, I talk about this a lot in my work. It's just, you keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep building a body of knowledge until you have enough that it then tips. Mm-hmm. And when it tips, we get a direction, right? So we don't always get an answer, but it might tip you towards something. And then you're like, oh, okay, cool. I'd like, I think now maybe it's like, I need to find a new job. Or I think now, like, I really do want to own a business. I just don't know what that is yet. Let me go figure that out. So yeah. it's just building a body of knowledge. I get it. I, I totally understand what you're saying. It was like I didn't – it was like you're like, well, maybe it's – I get a promotion. I, I will be happier. Maybe if I move to a different city, yeah. I'll be happier. And you also talk about in the book like knowing your why. So it sounds like eventually you got down to what's really your truth. It sounds like that's what happened ultimately. And then you realized the big why of, oh, I need to completely change my life. <laughs> Eventually yeah. that came out. Yeah. And you know what's interesting too is like I think about this a lot of like what is my why. And my why now is very different than it was then. Sure. And I think that what I think is always interesting about this is, you know, that oftentimes um, when people feel like that pain in life about like their career or whatever else is going on, they're like, well, I just don't know what my purpose is. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? And it's such a pressure loaded question because I don't believe it's one thing ever and it will evolve. It's not going to be the same thing today that it will be in 10 years. Like there might be some underlying roots and values that still sit there. But for me, and this is what's funny about the story is like at the time, the most compelling thing for me was like, I don't like continuing to like move and feel like someone else is controlling my life. And so for me, it was really around gaining control of the life that I had and feeling like I was making decisions from the driver's seat and that I could establish a life for myself and live in a city and actually enjoy living there and know that the roots weren't going to be ripped out from underneath me in one or two years. And to me, opening a business was a means of doing that. So at the time, I was like, well, I want to gain some control, and I can choose this. I can choose to launch a business. I can choose where I want to live. I can choose to create a life, and I did that. And then I got there, and I'm like, I build a business. And then I got into that business, and I thought, I don't know that this business is what I want to do anymore. And then I had this whole other evolution of, like, just life unfolding where you're like, oh. I thought it was just about being an entrepreneur. Now I realize, like, oh, I build a business I don't love. And now that's evolving into something else. And it's just funny how life does that to you. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Like We don't just arrive. You don't just arrive at some stinking magical moment. You're like, all the shit's fixed. It just doesn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) All the shit is not always fixed. (laughs) No, no. It's just an evolution. There will be moments that feel really glorious and magical. But like on the whole, it's like then it will change and we will be making a new set of decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you pointed that out because my evolution also has 
I've, I thought I was one thing. You know, my why was one thing. Like you said, I was doing, I was more in the coaching sphere. Um, and then it was like all the yoga. And then it was like, well, I'm just going to focus on retreats. And then now it's like yeah. the journal deck. So like whatever you want to call that, my purpose, whatever. Like my creativity keeps pulling me in different directions. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm evolving just like you said. And I think that is kind of a trap maybe that people fall into when they think of their purpose. What am I supposed to do with my life? You're most, you know, you're most likely not going to do the same thing for the rest of your life. Like your ambitions, your why, Mm -hmm. it's all going to evolve because you are a person. Therefore, you are evolving. 100% of the time. Yeah. I mean, really. And it's like, you know, you, you just learn more and it's like, you know, I'm 38 now and, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting watching my own life unfold and where I can look back and be like, I couldn't have made the decisions I'm making now at the age of 25 because I didn't have enough experience or knowledge about this particular subject. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've gained that just over time. And I think it's really empowering. Like I look at that and I think this is just the blessing of continuing to show up in our lives and follow interest and follow things that intrigue us is because you're building critical experience, you know, and when you're able to have that, you can make really good decisions for yourself. So Mm -hmm. it's like putting yourself out there and, and really like stretching yourself a little bit is great because you're building a body of knowledge. And, you know, I, I, I'm excited to be the age I am and excited to have had the experiences I've had. And then I'm also like, I can't imagine like what's still ahead. And I'm so excited for that too. Mm, I love that. Yes. That approaches that's very true. That is very true. You, you you couldn't have done what you're doing now when you were like 22. Like it, you God no, no. You know, it's <laughs> there's. I I also have talked about that. I feel like we're just like <laughs> we're we're think, thinking the same thing here. Um, I've said that too. I couldn't have done the journal deck at any other point because yeah. I I didn't have. I didn't have the skills and, like, the talents and the know-how, and I didn't know all the people that I would have needed to know and, like, make the connections I would have needed to make. It all had to happen in the order that it happened to make it all happen. (laughs) Yes. It's funny, too. Like, don't you feel like in some ways, though, it's like now it takes the pressure off, right? Because it's like if there's something I dream I want to do and I don't totally have it figured out, I'm like, that's cool. Like it'll come together. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like just progressively putting yourself out to like figure it out and keep stretching. And like you found your way there to figure out the journal deck and how to do that. And like, to your point, maybe you couldn't have done that, but you probably didn't even fathom as an idea even two years prior or three years Mm -hmm. prior. Like Mm -hmm. it might've not been a figment of your imagination at that moment. No. Yeah. It's cool, right? It's so cool. And it's also really cool when you get to whatever said point and mm-hmm. you're like, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Have you had that where you're like, wait a minute, how did that happen? I look at the, like, I'm sure you're like that. I look at my deck and I think, how the hell did that happen? I don't even know how I started. Like, I'll try to remember and I'm like, Okay, who did I talk to? Or like, how did I? Yeah. 
could I do that again? Like, what? what? I went through a vortex of somehow. Yes. Yeah. I feel that way about my book all the time. I mean, I look at it and I'm like, I... Uh, what happened? I mean, it's it's cool. Like, I'm happy to see it. And I'm like, I did write that thing. You know, like, it came out of me, but I'm like, that's a whole vortex of things. Yes. Yeah. And I it's, relate. It, yeah, it's hard to, I think maybe that's anyone that's ever created something really, <laughs> you know, like, it's like a, this magical vortex that you can't even, also, I almost can't explain the feeling, but I know that you're getting it. Um, if anyone's listening mm-hmm. to this, you know, if you're like shaking your head, like, Oh, yeah, I've totally been there before. You've made something and just thought, whoa, that's awesome. How did I do that? That's totally. essentially the feeling that we're, we're talking about. Um, along those lines of, um, you know, I really, okay, this topic is something of entrepreneurship and, you know, taking big risks and putting yourself out there. That brings up the question which I really love to to talk about and and think about is what makes an entrepreneur? And you you touch on that in the book um, because you you know you even flat out say just like you already you already touched on it here when you said that you didn't raise your hand that you didn't want to have your own business. You even write in your book, you say, I wasn't the obvious choice for an entrepreneur. I was born to two parents who greatly valued stability and being able to provide for their daughter. And, you know, you say, my parents were and still are exceptional providers in every sense of the word. And I'm extremely grateful for them. But entrepreneurs, they were not. (laughs) At all. (laughs) And um, you know what? I'm sure that a lot of people can relate to that. Um, yeah. Neither are my parents. And, I, and maybe it's a generational thing. I, I don't know. But that kind of begs the question then of what makes an entrepreneur? And I don't know if you've thought about I'm sure you have. But you, you write about, you know, this isn't for everyone. Like this lifestyle is not for everyone. And I think that that's a valid point for anyone listening who has thought about should I start my own business? Like, do I have almost like, I guess, like you hear that phrase, do I have what it takes to yeah. have my own business, um, to have skin in the game, to have that instability and be okay with it? Um, there's a lot of pieces to, to having your own business. And, and like you said, stretching yourself in this world. Um, what do you have to say on that? On like what makes an entrepreneur? Um, I love that question. And, you know, I think there's things that I see, like having worked with, you know, hundreds of different women running businesses and guys. I mean, there's um, the one trait that comes to mind that's sort of an immediate is like there's a high level of personal accountability for people who choose to be entrepreneurs and who are successful. And by that, I mean, you know, you're the type of person who can look at what needs to be done and you'll get it done without having someone else telling you what needs to be done or Mm -hmm. riding your back to make sure that you do in fact get it done. And, you know, accountability is a big piece of it. And, you know, when you own a business, you simply do not have the ability to point fingers because it all comes back to you. And so, you know, if you're willing to, to step into that role, then you're probably good there, you know, but 
that's a big piece of it. And I think, you know, I talk about this a lot, but it's like when you're a business owner, um, you are just a master problem solver. And that's really all it is. I mean, every single day there's something that's going to come your way and you're like, I got to figure this out. And if you can have that mindset of, I will figure this out, even if you don't know how to do it, but I will, it's just that like underlying just drive of like, I'll get it. I don't know how to do it right now, but I'll, I'm resourceful. I will uh-huh. come up with an answer. I will keep pushing forward. That's critical. Um, cause you just, you won't be able to sit back and, and again, like point the fingers or necessarily find someone else to fix your problem because not all of us will have unlimited resources, money, time, energy to be able to ask someone else to do it. Um, and I think that those are two of the really big things. And, you know, I think the, the, Fear and risk are one of those things that come up often in the beginning. Like, I'm afraid of taking this leap of faith because, and, you know, insert various things after that. Like, I'm afraid it won't work. I'm afraid I won't make money. I'm afraid I'll look stupid. What if I fail? Will people think I'm dumb? And, like, insert, I'm not good enough. I mean, it's every one of those, like, things that are underlying in our personalities, you know? And I think that is uh, often shows up very heavily in the beginning, but I do find it's one of those things that when we exercise that muscle of taking progressive leaps of faith, um, we get better at it. And so it's like, for me, mm-hmm. I think, you know, that, that first moment of like quitting a corporate job and saying like, I'm going to open a business. That was a giant leap of faith. And I continue to have to take leaps of faith now. Um, but I think for me, it's just, um, you get better at taking risk and taking educated risk. I mean, we, we don't want to be operating in a business. You can't operate a hundred percent from gut and intuition. I mean, it, those things are important and I believe in it wholeheartedly, but I also want you as a business owner to be able to make decision based on facts and data mm-hmm. and have like knowledge on your side so that you're making educated risk and educated steps forward so that you're not just flying blind and thinking it's going to work out. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's those things. And I think it's also just this, you're constantly learning, you know, and I think if you can embrace that idea of like, I'm never going to have it totally figured out and like, okay, being, or I did desire, I desire to be just a consummate student, just ready to learn and like keep soaking up everything I can. You'll be a really good entrepreneur. I mean, just taking in new learning and then acting upon it. Like those things are important. Um, so I have like, yeah. You know, I think a little yeah. list. I think I have a list of what you said. I, I was like jotting notes as you're right as you're talking. I'm like, okay, these points I think are what makes what she's saying a good entrepreneur. Okay, so tell me if you think this is on point. Yeah, go. Okay, being uncomfortable with um, instability or the unknown. Yes. Okay, so that's one. Being resourceful, and by that I mean, like you said. I know that I'm going to figure it out. You're a problem solver. Totally. Having accountability. Mm -hmm. Being able to step into that role of no one has to tell you to do something, that you will figure it out. I.e., for those of you that know Gretchen Rubin's The Four Tendencies, if you are an Mm -hmm. obliger, this is possibly going to be a huge struggle because nobody's telling you to do anything. You are you are in the driver's seat. So accountability. And then the last part I have is a love of learning. Yeah, for sure. 
So that's and what I, I pulled out. Add something. Yeah. I love that. And yeah. I want to add one more, which is like, you have to step into action. You know, so sometimes what I see is that people, they, they want to learn and they want to take in the knowledge and they want to sit with it and think about it and blah, 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 but they don't make a decision and they don't move forward. And I think you have to become a really good decision maker because decision sets in motion action. And if we really want to move a business forward, much like life, I mean, take the word business out. It's like, if you want to do anything in your life, it's going to require you to take action. And so I think we have to become really good at putting one foot in front of the other and driving forward. Hmm. All right. So there so we go. Action's important. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. I'll make sure I, I will, I'm going to put that in the show notes. I'm going to like break that I down. <laughs> That's really good right there. Yeah. It's so, I mean, I'm like looking at this and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much <laughs> sums it up. Yep, it sure does. And, you know, it's, it's it, the reason I asked the question is just because I get the question a lot. Um, I'm sure you do too, is like, how do you, how do you do this? Or mm-hmm. how do you work for yourself? Um like, oh, I could never do that. Um, I, I hear it all the time. And yeah. it's it's kind of fascinating to me that obviously some things work for some people and they don't for others. There's nothing inherently wrong with you if you're, like, listening to this and you're going, oh, God. Like, I, I could not deal with that unknown factor. I would have such high sure. levels of anxiety. Um, you know, like. I get it. Like, this is, you are you, and that's great. And I think it's easy to, like, I think it's very easy, though, for people to shame themselves. You know, like with anything, take this too far, and you all of a sudden then can feel bad because you're like, I would really suck at being an entrepreneur. Like, I would not do well. And you know what? Like, it's just not for everyone. Like, this isn't to say, if you're listening to this, like, that that makes you less than. It doesn't. You know? It's just that this is for some people and it's not for others. Do do you find that there's, like, that – do you feel that way, too? Like, sometimes people – almost like I guess would feel less than maybe is the word if, if they know that, like, hey, that's not for me. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, comparison is, is like the plague of this current generation, right? I mean, we're, we're surrounded by messages of others, you know, primarily through social media. And I think it's natural that we start to compare. And I think you could listen to this and you could say, you could immediately start to compare that list to you and think, is this for me? Do I fit this? Would I do this and do it well? And I think, you know, I mean, Hatch Drive, we... We, there's probably now about 6,000 women who are involved in the organization globally, let's say. And, you know, every one of these business owners looks a little bit different. I mean, there, there are things that are consistent and kind of more common around entrepreneurs, but all of us kind of run our things differently. I mean, I could think about even the clients I work with currently. I mean, every one of them runs their business in a different way. And I think, you know, if you find yourself as an entrepreneur, like the, the, the worst thing you can do is look at the person next to you and be like, I should be doing my business just like her. Like, well, maybe, maybe there's something to learn from her or him. But I think the other part of it is like, you've got to do you. I mean, be you. you you've lived whatever length of life you have thus far. Like you are you. You should leverage your strengths and then figure out where you've got some shortfalls and like shore that up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, the comparison thing's risky. Yeah, yeah. It's you're right. It is a major issue in this generation for sure, which obviously probably is because of social media. That's you know one of the downfalls of it uh, for sure. Yeah. There's there's, there's obviously pros, but there's that's a huge con. That's a whole other conversation. Okay. Um. Okay, so self care. Yeah. Obviously, this is the self care spotlight. So we got to talk about it because it's a big part of this entrepreneur boss babe life, as it is for everyone. But I think with with within the business realm, um, having your own business, it takes on a different a different um, concept and meaning. I I for sure feel that way. Um, how has or how have the self-care challenges shifted for you in, in entrepreneurship? And by that, I mean, you know, you write like in your book, it says like one of the titles of one of the little excerpts is take a shower already. Have your soul sisters <laughs> on speed dial. Know when to unplug. So to me, those are like some challenges really in the self-care realm um, where they're different um, from when you probably were in the corporate world your self-care challenges most likely did not look the same as they do for you now uh, owning your own business, right? So how has for that, sure. how have those challenges sort of shifted for you in entrepreneurship in the realm of self-care? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, the, the, the most obvious thing is that when you're running your own business, you now have no delineation between like going to work and leaving work. So it's all consuming, you know, and, and for a lot of entrepreneurs, they end up starting working from their home. And so now you've brought your business life into your home life, and then you now don't have a separation necessarily even physically. Um, so I think what tends to happen is that most of us, you know, find ourselves in this mode, especially in the first year of like, you just don't know when to stop. I mean, you're just, mm-hmm. you're working and you're excited because it's your new business and you're like, yeah, I love this shit. And then you're like, oh, wait, like, have I been working for, like, 14 hours straight? Did I even take a shower this morning? Did I brush my teeth before I came downstairs? Like, it's gross. Like, the first year, it's just gross. Um, And I think, you know, at some point, we kind of wake up to the fact that we're doing this because it stops working. You know, like, in the beginning, it's okay because you're so jacked up and you're, like, excited to be doing this new thing. And so, generally speaking, the negative effects are a little different. But at some point, you're like, I'm really burnt out. Oh, and I wonder why. And I think, you know, for me, this has definitely evolved over time. I mean, I think in the beginning, I would, you know, I would work sometimes 12, 14-hour days and be, like, totally fine with it. And now I'm like, I just can't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't want to. And, like, it's not to say that there aren't windows of time where, like, I really have to just pound it out because it's just I've created a monster of a schedule or whatever it is right um but it changes you know and I think when I think about um just sort of over the past couple of years and especially working with different mentors and different entrepreneurs the things that I see just consistently that tend to be at play are things that even if you're not a business owner really really matter it's like you know taking some time to be unplugged like really stepping away from the computer, not having that in front of you, spending some time outside, you know, so when the weather's nice, like getting out and having some sunshine and fresh air and like 
moving your body and whatever that means to you so if that's working out cool or if it's just like getting out and walking around the block like amen go do it um and i think meditation you know continues to come up in entrepreneur circles as this idea of you know i want to i want to perform better when i'm working and you know there's a lot of people um, high level execs you know who say that this has been one of the biggest contributors to their own ability to succeed as they've risen in their career. And I think you just can't underestimate the importance of taking that like 10 minutes out just to, to be with your, well, not with your thoughts, I guess, be with your breath. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I teach meditation. So I, I definitely think I certainly utilize it. I mean, you're right. I'm, uh, we all could use more of that in our life and the unplug that extends yeah. that extends beyond being a business owner for sure. That's, I mean, talking about another common plague of the generation is, is the being plugged in. And so, yeah, we need to unplug for sure. Yeah. And I totally, oh my gosh, the whole idea of um, not having a physical distinction between... Ugh work because you literally I mean I work from home and yeah you're right it's something about that physical location I I often feel like a little sometimes I even feel jealous of my of my boyfriend that he gets to leave work at work (laughs) yeah literally like there's a building Uh where his work is (laughs) (laughs) he leaves the stuff behind ah yeah yeah, I'm we don't like, get to do that anymore. There's no, like, clocking out. I mean, your shit's with you all the time. Yes. It's like, my desk is right there. Like, I could yeah. pick it up at any time. Uh, you know, I have heard people say, even when they have, like, a small home, they've said, you know, I've really tried to delineate between the workspace and the home space. So, like, if you had, a, say, like, a studio apartment, like, sometimes I've seen people take, like, one of those, you know, those curtains that are, like, it's like a threefold kind yes. of thing and it stands like, right? And they'll put one of those up so there's at least a distinction. They don't have to see their desk if they're sitting in their living room. So it's like mm. putting that up or um, then like beautifying that space so that it doesn't feel like work where it's like, you know, you put in plants or flowers and other things that just feel so lovely and gorgeous that you're like, okay, it's got good energy. It's not just like crazy work energy. Yeah, um, I get it. So some of that I think matters is just like creating a little bit of space. I mean, if you have a separate room to put an office, like Godspeed, go do that. But if you don't, like you can probably create some little delineation um, just to, for your psyche, you know? Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally understand that. And for those of you that are having that at home, you probably are like, yep, that's me too. I need I need the delineation. Yeah. Okay. I want to know if you have, I've got two more questions for you. I want to know if you have a journaling practice and if you do, what does it look like? Why do you do it? When do you do it? Like anything about your journaling ritual practice, what do you got? Okay. So confession mode, I don't do it every day. Um, Oh, neither do I. (laughs) (laughs) So... I find that I, I tend to go to it more, more frequently when I really have something I need to like work out. Um, and sometimes I find that it's just simply putting like pen to paper that helps me get that thought just out through my head. 
Um, but I will say I have tended to just use it even throughout like many, many years of my life. It's just a place to reflect and mine's not overly scripted. And I'll just often just pick it up and be like, whatever is on my heart and mind. And I just need to get it out. I get it out and I just put it in that place and let it live. And, um, oftentimes, you know, it depends on what I'm reading at the moment, but sometimes I'll have something that has, you know, some journaling prompts and I'll use that to kind of, you know, think through, or, you know, if I've met with my therapist and she's like, you know, you really should consider blank. Then I'll be like, all right, maybe I need a journal about this, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, so it kind of just depends on what's coming up at the moment, but I would say like over a a lifetime, it's really been more of a place to just like dump out the shit that's driving me crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, because sometimes it's just the thought that I keep repeating and I'm like, I got to get this out, like out of my head somewhere else. It needs to live somewhere else. Oh, I like the I like the way you put that. The thought needs to live somewhere else, not in my brain. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, because it's taking up re, you know valuable real estate in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So, last question that I ask everyone: What does self care mean to you? I love this question so much. Um, I I am a seemingly extrovert on the outside, but I feel like I'm a deeply introverted person in that I need a lot of alone time. And to me, that looks like quiet. And sometimes it's walking outside in nature, no headphones, no music, no podcast, no nothing. Um, And for a long time, I think I fought that you know, but when I really recognize it and I'm like, you know, I just recharge when I'm alone and I need that so much for like my ability to function well, to show up for other people. And, you know, so I think self care for me has meant a lot of like taking that time and, you know, it has not always been something I get right. I mean, even this week I've had a lot of appointments and meetings in my schedule and we've had events and just a lot going on. And I can feel that like where I'm just like, Oh, I need to be alone right now. And I need that time just for quiet and reflection and just to be at peace. And, you know, I I don't apologize for that anymore. I mean, I used to, I used to think it made me like weird, you know, like weird that I wanted to be alone and not like out hanging out with all my friends, but that's just who I am. So mm-hmm. that is a big part of self-care for me. So now we're going to transition into rapid fire. And I want you to say All the right. first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Piggybacking off of what I just asked you, if you had to describe self-care in one word or feeling, it would be? Peace and quiet. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> In terms of self-care, I could be better at <laughs> unplugging what we just talked about. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, my favorite form of self-care movement or exercise is lifting weights. No way. Yeah. You are the first woman to say that on the podcast. Yeah, love it. Yeah, first one. Most people say uh, yoga. <laughs> yeah, That's... I think it's like the weights make me feel strong. And like mm-hmm. afterwards, I'm like, hell yeah, I could do go do anything I want right now. Like I just feel like badass after it. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. Okay. I love this question. If I never had to do this again, it would be? Mm. QuickBooks. <laughs> if 
if you own a business, you understand. <laughs> okay, um, let's see here. What was the last book you read? Um, I am actually reading The Compound Effect right now. Mm, I'll put that in the show notes, The Compound Effect. But Darren, Darren Hardy, I believe. Okay, The Compound Effect. I'm writing that down so I don't forget. Okay. And I ask everyone, milk chocolate or dark chocolate or not a chocolate person? All chocolate of every type. All the chocolate. <laughs> All, the chocolate. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Last question. You said you love to travel. So what's your favorite getaway place? Uh, well, I have to say, I don't tend to go to the same places all the time, but if I had to just like pick a place that sinks in my heart always, it's the mountains. Um, I just, the mountains always work for me. I just want to be in nature where the trees are like breathing life. Like that to me is just the essence of heaven. Mm, makes sense. Peace and quiet. Yeah, it all, it's full circle, right? Yeah, absolutely. It all comes back to just like who you are, like your essence. Yeah. Which I love it because it's like boss babe, peace and quiet, mountains. <laughs> I'm telling you, you got to do it all. Yeah, it's that's the paradoxes, which are my favorite. We are very yeah. dynamic creatures, us humans. Okay, sure. we've come to the part now where I want you to be able to tell listeners where they can find you, Hatch Tribe. Uh, I know you guys do a lot of events. Do you have any going on that you want to talk about? Um where they can find your book, Surviving the Startup. Go. Cool. Uh, so the best way, I think, to find everything we do is just to go to hatchtribe.com. It's H-A-T-C-H-T-R-I-B-E. And there you'll find links to everything. But I think if you're really what we do is work with women entrepreneurs and whether you're aspiring or well-established, it doesn't matter anywhere you are on that range. So I think the best way to get involved is to sign up for the newsletter and you'll get an email from me once a week. That's like chock full of resources for business owners and people who are aspiring to become one links to the events and all that jazz. And I think the, the exciting thing right now is we're working on a new platform for 2018. It'll probably roll out in January. Um, and if you're anywhere in the world, you'll be able to partake in what we're doing and it's going to be a pretty robust, uh, way to be involved so stay tuned if you're on the newsletter you'll get all the details awesome thank you so much for doing this hillary oh my god thank you this was so fun yeah absolutely boss babes for life i love it yeah girl thank you all right guys that is a wrap thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the self-care spotlight brought to you by the journal deck which I, I may say makes the ultimate mindful holiday gift for your loved ones or just for yourself. So be sure to shop our amazing holiday sales at thejournaldeck.com forward slash shop. And if this podcast moved you in some way, I kindly ask you to review it on iTunes so that we continue our mission of spreading self-care and living your truth. Your love and attention means the world to me. Until next time, I am Alyssa Cousins, signing off for the journal deck. Music by Lee Rosevere.